0: Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com.
1: Elliot, we got in the studio, a man who needs no introduction, Otis Wilson. Everybody knows him, right? Gentlemen,
2: how are you today?
1: Great. Let's get it on. So, Otis, what are you doing now?
2: Well, oh, God, what do I do? Um, well, let me start off with the, you know, doing the football in in play. And it's really not much of a season at this point, um, I go to most of the games and pretty much network with different companies. Um, I sit in different skyboxes and meet folks and take pictures, meet and greet at the Skyline Suite, meet some of the fans, and try to enjoy the game as much as I can. And on the other, the other hand, I run my own non-for-profit, the Older Swiss Charitable Association, which is an after-school program focused on fitness, nutrition, and sports and literacy, we we do it through the Chicago Park District. We work with kids from the ages of six through fifteen, five days a week from three to six, and at a six-week summer program. So, I kind of like my life. It's football, kids, and basically getting them to understand fit for life and just go out there and take advantage of your opportunities, educate yourself, and you know, be a good person. What's and your things to happen? It's Otis Wilson org. I'm sorry, .org. Now, do the kids know who you are? Well, at first they didn't. Um, their, obviously, their, their most of do. them were, weren't even born when <laughs> I was playing. So what I did was I brought in the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> I brought in the highlights from the, the 85 scene. They went back, and you're right. The parents was like, oh, my God. So it's, it's, we it's the next point. two days... We had just about every parent, because we have about 60 kids, we had about every parent there bringing stuff in the sign, and, <laughs> you know, one kid said, thought I was on, on the wolves. His dad said, no, not the wolves, the bears, because, you know, you got cubs, wolves, right. bears stuff kind of mixed some animal. up. Some Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, they know now, though, so it's a good thing.
0: So you grew up in Brooklyn. Yes. You like Chicago better? We want t- nobody from New York's listening here.
2: No, I love Chicago. I mean, I, I, I'm proud of where I came from, Brownsville and Brooklyn, New York, and, you know, served me well. And But I'm a Chicagoan now. and Because when I go back, they call me country anyway. Why do they call you country? <laughs> well, Louisville screwed me up. Got a little <laughs> bit of the accent. and Y'all. You know, Chicago, the Midwest ways, and New York is hustle and bustle. I mean, I go there during the summers. They have what they call old-timers' day. And it's really five day, a four day kind of journey because it starts on Thursday all the way through Sunday. And a lot of the guys that I play ball with in high school, junior high, and just really guys in the neighborhood, we all come back have a huge concert. You know, they come out out in the park, picnic, have a great time, and I really enjoy it. So I go back like two or three times a year because most of the family is still there. Okay, so how does a guy go from Brooklyn to Louisville? Okay, the story is this, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Wait a I second. Actually we'll, we'll get the to,
0: lie detector out. I now.
2: actually went to Syracuse first. Right. I was recruited by um, um, Frank Maloney out of Syracuse, and Jerry Angelo, which is the general manager here, Frank Maloney ended up as a ticket manager yeah, for, ticket the manager Cubs, for a long time which retired, and they got me to go to you know, Syracuse, because I, I wanted to be somewhere close to my parents and come see me play on the weekends. Got up there, didn't like it at all. I mean, didn't like it at all. And then, too... Lindy Hess, which was a linebacker at that time, he was a sophomore. I was a freshman. Frank wanted to play him, and this guy couldn't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. <laughs> so I'm not sitting behind this guy for three or four years, so I said, any, mini money, mo. Where do I want to go? Not too far south, being a you know East Coast guy, and I picked Louisville.
1: Who was the coach back then?
2: Um, Vince Gibson, who just came from Kansas, and yeah. w- after I left, went to Tulane. And But it wasn't a football school back then. Right. It was predominantly Daryl Griffith, a basketball program, and, you know, Denny Crum. So I hung out with those guys, and we, we had a great time. And I made a little noise, and Chicago pulled me out of there.
0: Okay, so according to Doug Buffon, then you would be the second best linebacker to come out of Louisville?
2: Yes, according to the old man, yes. <laughs> the old man. <laughs> but, Doug, I'm telling you, I'm number one.
0: <laughs> well, then, if we look on your hand, you got something that. Uh...
1: Tends to show that with the the ring. Exactly. It's exactly. so small to today's rings. Look at that Blackhawks ring from a couple well, years.
2: Well it's it's different now. These young kids like to bling. We this this means something. Back to them it's just gold, diamonds, and just to have the chains and stuff on their necks. You know, I mean at any level a championship is a championship. But we old school. We appreciate the game. We played the game different. we was taught the game different, and now it's like hey, it's about money.
1: Who is the best linebacker in those eighty five bears?
2: God, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say. You know, with Wilbur, I mean, that guy was an animal. That's why we call him Pit Bull, cause when he got on you, he didn't let you go. You know, Mike Singletary was a, a student of the game and almost like a coach on the field, but I would say the one that'll cut your throat was me.
1: But I heard that Singletary came out on passing downs and they put Wilbur in the
2: middle. No, 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 no. We we would, the, you know, we, we had three different, cause we played the 46. Right. We played the, um uh, 4-3, and then we went into an over and under. Most of the time, Wilbur and I, we stayed in because we can run with people. So we would always put Singletary on the, show, the slowest guy and the fattest guy. <laughs> and then we just, uh, Wilbur's always on the fastest guy. I take the next fastest, and then Mike take the leftovers.
1: <laughs> Who was the best player in the defense?
2: We had so many. God, you go down that, that defensive line, you look at Hampton, you look at Richard Dent. I mean, two Hall of Famers. You, you, know I mean? you look at Mike Hardenstein, you, and then you got... Fridge coming in at his, at, back in his day. Then you go down to the linebackers, me, Wilbur, and Mike. Then you go on our secondary. I mean, we had guys that were two, three time pro bowlers. I mean, we had an unbelievable team and probably more of us will go in the Hall of Fame. Who next? I'm not really sure, but.
0: They should just put it, that, it that was, whole defense it, in the it, Hall of it Fame. It got
2: to the point where we were tackling each other just trying to get to the ball because it was just so competitive. I mean, to say, you know, one game, somebody would just step up. To set the tone, and everybody would follow from that point on. Because I mean, you know, when I knocked Lewis' lips out, you know, Wilbur said, "I'm gonna get me somebody." <laughs> then he knocked out Ferguson. Then after the the you know the commissioner said, "Okay, y'all y'all got to calm down." Oh, <laughs> start- you guys will be getting fined every <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, we, we're gonna start finding right. people now. So it, it's really hard to say who was the best. I mean, all of them were great individuals, great players, competitors. Made all all of us compete on every day.
0: Now, could that defense play today, given some of the constraints that they have on players with helmet-to-helmet and all these other borderline things?
2: It would be real hard. I mean, we could probably play. We wouldn't like it, you know, but it would be really be tough. Because, I mean, you know, the team, the way the NFL is marketing this thing now, making it, you know, so that the offense, open it up wider so the offense can score, restricts the defense in so many ways. I mean, this is a contact sport. You can't – let's not deviate from the program. This is a contact sport, helmet to helmet. How are you going to tell me I'm going 100 miles an hour and I'm supposed to stop and, and figure out where I'm going to hit you? I mean, come on. You take the risk just like I take the risk. Why do you have an exception on the court? Well, I know why, because it's about dollars. This guy making $100 million, you want to save him, you want to keep him in there. Then you're going to say, a wide receiver? But yet they can crack back on me in my career – but I can't protect myself, so it's tough. And no, with our instinct, the way we play, I would be fined every day. And how
1: not, many? How many yards would Dan Marino put up in this uh, offense? Now,
2: I mean, oh, he had fifty-one oh hundred. He'd probably be at six thousand. <laughs> yeah, with Drew Brees, I think three hundred yards yeah. away from just breaking his record. But Brees is no uh, Marino. No, no Marino. I mean, he would probably be oh, be untouchable. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. No, unbelievable. And that was a good, that's, you make a good point because, you know, I was just watching, um, the, what is it, the, uh, NFL on, um uh, HBO or Showtime, whatever it is. And they were talking about that. And you look at the Joe Montana's, the, the, uh, Elways, you know, Dan Marino, if they played today and Phil Sims and those guys, it would be a field day. I mean, it would be really hard to, it, it'd be frustrating. Let me just say this as a defensive guy, I mean, I'm, I can't do this, I can't do that, but yet he can do whatever he want to do and have the receivers that he has. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah, well, the guys who were getting the 300-yard passing games today,
0: those quarterbacks from 25 years ago would be getting 400 yards or something and, 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 Something and, and, and Instead
2: of calling them um, Hall of Famers, they'd be all world. Because
1: yeah. Marino knew how to uh, break that forty six defense.
2: Well, I, don't, I wouldn't say he knew how to break it. You know, because no one knows how to break it. They had not played it yet because they don't they don't have the players to play it, number one. When I think about that game, because I, I think I know where you're going with this. 85. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with The only with this. loss so of the I, season? I, I, I was, yes, the only loss of the season. And I'll give it to them because they, they played a pretty good game. You take that one punt out of the game that was returned. You take the tip pass that went over, over Gary's hand to the duper. You take those two touchdowns out of it we would have probably beaten him because we had time of possession. Mike Dicker and McMahon was fighting the whole time because Dicker wanted to throw the ball to match with Marino. Every time Walter touched that ball, you notice he gained 12 to 15 yards, a carry. It, it was just – and then him and Buddy Ryan went in went at it at halftime. So it was just like – Why were him and Buddy going at it? Well, because, number one, we knew we could beat that team. But the game plan that was in place was not really allowing us to do that. So, therefore – you got to play what's called. McMahon was changing the plays. Dicker was pissed off at him. Then Buddy got to the point where, hey, I want my guy three and out. We're going to get you the ball with good field position. He wants him to drop back and be a, a, a damn marino. Jim ain't a damn marino. you know. And we had a team that could beat him, but it just didn't really work out that way.
1: Who was a better coach, Ryan or Ditka?
2: I would say both of them are uh, a good head coaches. They just kind of, you know, get too emotionally involved sometimes and doing, say, the wrong things, but both of them have great intentions. Both of them are competitors, and we had two head, really two head coaches, but one that wanted to be the head coach. So, <laughs> you know, there was more action on the sideline sometimes than there was on the field.
0: Now, 85 Bears defense, the best of all time. Right. You know, the Ravens came along a little bit later and said, oh, you know, we're better and things like that.
2: Well, they probably were better in their time, you know, doing what they were doing, but when you really look at the numbers – you look at the caliber of players and in comparison. You go down and look at the stats; they don't match up to us. Yeah, and in, in they the, don't match up to us. And they, in,
0: in the Super Bowl, it was like, "What's New England doing in this game?" It, it, it was, was no, the, it was no contest from the first snap. Well, the Ravens won games;
2: we dominated games, yeah. and that's the difference. when you you look at what's going on, and you look at these teams today, they winning games. We we were like Mike Tyson when he first came out. The fight was over Four it was over. The guy was scared right. to even be right. in there.
0: Yeah, the referee would call you
1: both to center ring, and you knew, okay, Tyson's <laughs> got this fight won. <laughs> the yeah, only that's... one who could stop the defense was Vince Tobin at 86. Whew. But I'm um, um, Man, well. <laughs> he didn't understand the defense, Hampton said.
2: Not only he didn't understand it, he didn't understand what he had. I mean, his philosophy was get punched in the face three or four times, and we'll strike back once. I went from twelve to fifteen sacks a year to barely getting six. Richard goes from seventeen to twenty sacks a year to barely getting you know twelve to fifteen. I mean, he, it wasn't nothing aggressive about yeah, him.
0: A very passive. It was defense. nothing
2: aggressive about his defense. We call it a high school defense because we drop back in the zone and then we react. We all go get them tied into individuals. Let's let's line up and say, hey. This is why I was going to be all day. It wasn't that that wasn't the case. So, but you have to play again. What's called, and we didn't ask because they, they their claim to fame was well. If you look at the numbers, last, the Super Bowl year as opposed to the second year when he came in, were well, they pretty much comparable? Well, duh, you have the same players, other than um, Willie Galt that went to L.A. after that. So we wasn't we had pride. We're not going to let this thing just fall. But we had to break our damn necks just to get that. So it was pretty terrible. I couldn't wait to get out of that defense.
0: Yeah. I mean, you looked at those 85 Bears and you said, okay, there's one Super Bowl ring. There should be two or three more to come.
2: Well, you, but then things I've been asked that that question about the ring every time. And, and I'll say this, and you can go on record. I don't care what Buddy or Mike or what you say. If both of them would have been humble enough to say, okay, this is what I have. I'm gonna be the I'm the head coach, but yet I know you, I need you, buddy. We could have had five rings, maybe three in a row, maybe four in a row, but I certainly know we could have had at least two or three t- uh, uh, Super Bowls in a row. But one wanted to be a head coach, the other wanted to be dominant, be the sole head coach. So, buddy went his way, Dicker went his way. And it just fell apart.
1: But Ditka told you guys, concentrate on football after the Super Bowl, stop the advertising, all this, and he's out there basically pimping everything.
2: (sighs) Big daddy pimp. (laughs) Big daddy pimp. And and you're right, you know, because he came in when he was just got the job. Guys, you know, this thing don't last forever. When you have success, you take advantage of it, take advantage of the opportunity for you and your family. And, hey, God bless you. The minute it all start rolling in, he said, I'm cutting everything out. Your priorities ain't in line. I'm running everything through my office on every TV station, on every channel. Well, he couldn't mess with Walter and okay. Fridge because they were like Parks, Park Avenue boys. They had all the national stuff, but everything else. Cause he even said he, I'll never, I'll never do a, a, a video. You guys are n- notorious for doing that. Kabowski shuffle. <laughs> my, my, should I say anymore?
1: I think that. Does. There you go. <laughs> and he play with the worst quarterback in NFL history. You know who that is. The worst. You guys quarterback. had him so scared he was running off the field crying. I heard during practice back in '84. Was that Rusty? Rusty. <laughs> I heard the story <laughs> no, from Richard. <laughs> he was crying. He did not want to go against the defense in practice, and he was rated the worst quarterback in NFL history last year.
0: Well, yeah. Didn't they <laughs> yeah. put a red jersey on quarterbacks back then and, and say, don't kill well, the guy? I, I, I Did so he cry?
2: Well, I, you know, I, I didn't see him cry. I just, I witnessed one incident. I think we was playing the San Diego Chargers. And Dicker berated him so bad. Was yelling, was just just really treating him like he was a, like a four-year-old kid. Rusty came out of the game. Said on a bench. I can't do this anymore. I can't take this. I don't want to go back in there. No, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And Dicker's just cussing, swearing. Get back in there. No, no. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. But, you know, sometimes when you got somebody, you know, like this guy on top of you like that, that could be kind of distracting.
0: How interesting has the transition of Mike Ditka over the years from that loud mouth, in your face guy <laughs> to the more mellow, I won't call him an elder statesman exactly, but not, not the uh, the same guy spitting gum at you and things like that, to a, a more genteel personality.
2: Well, you know, I haven't seen, you know, you, you see him on ESPN, you you hear sound bites here and there, and, and it sounds like he's kind of, you know, mellowed out. As you get older, you get wiser, hopefully. And, you know, he has said he's regretted some things that he's done. He wish he'd have done them in a different way. And we, all of us, I mean... You know, we go back over our past, but you know, what's done is done, and you know, he goes his way, and the rest of the team goes their way. So he's still an icon in Chicago. They love him. I mean,
1: but he's still using you guys. He's putting your name on his website. They're, you guys even know you're going to be at certain places. Oh yeah, Otis is going to be here. Jim's going to be here.
2: Yeah, he well, that's that's him. You know, that's why we can't get any jobs.
1: <laughs> McMahon and him, did they go at it all the time?
2: Well, I don't know if they went at it all the time because, see, we're on one side of the field and in one meeting room, they're on one side and we're in another meeting room. But I imagine, you know, because Jim is headstrong too and, you know, a, a champion in his own right So and has an opinion. You know, that's one thing about with Buddy Ryan. If we had an opinion, he would listen to it and sometimes he will let us implement it. But one thing he said, you better make it work. Because if it don't work, right. you'd be standing over here with me. <laughs> I don't think, you know, over on that other side of the ball, they had that kind of liberty.
1: No, it's Peyton right, Peyton left, Peyton up the middle, usually.
2: Well, at that point, that's all we had. <laughs> that's what Rob, we had Robin Earl,
1: used to host with us, That that's what the offense was. It's Peyton. That's, that's yeah. all you
2: needed. Yeah, well, I mean, the great man was a, a, a great running back, but sometimes you got to be able to throw the ball. And, and Willie did stretch the field, took two guys with him, and Dennis McKinnon, you know, was always a clutch man, Dennis, Dennis Gentry. So we, we, we had some talent, but Mike wanted to throw to the tight end. You know what he had. Hey, who <laughs> was your tight
1: end besides Moorhead? You had Moorhead and what? Uh, uh, Morehead, Mitch
2: Crink? Uh, oh God, what's his name? Matt uh, Thornton. Tim Reitman. Tim Reitman, there okay. you go. Tim Reitman, yeah. Uh, you know. And Pat Dun um Pat Pat Dunsmore. He was he was like the third guy.
1: His kids played in Northwestern now. Is that right? Yep, he wow. was a uh, wide receiver, I think.
2: We're getting old. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you got speak for yourself. And you yeah. got to go to a certain house uh, this year oh, in
2: Washington. That was unbelievable. That was a great great experience. I mean, number one, you know, Richard, um, Gary and I, we know him, we knew him personally. You know, I should say know him personally. I knew him. Know him personally. When he, we used to work at the East Bank Club all the time together because actually Richard's locker was next to his. And so when we went there, I mean, it was just, when he walks in the room, he said, Richard, Otis, Gary, haven't seen you guys in a while. I, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, number one, it's like, we on personal terms. You know what I mean? And I had a great time. I said, "Well, i you have been pretty busy dealing with the situations you have." But he was like a kid in the candy store, just as we were. I mean, we had a great time. You know, from getting feedback from other teams, is just really a photo op. You go there, you take a picture, and they they boot you right on out of there. We had four run in the house, and we went. We did the tour. We laid out. They had a party for us on the lawn. He he, sat in there with us for about a half hour, talked to everybody individually, took a bunch of pictures. We had a great time.
0: So was he Barack Obama then, or was he Barry Obama when you first met him?
2: He was just a humble guy, you know, with no job, because he had just lost his election to Bobby Rush. I mean, he was trying to run against Bobby and didn't know what the heck he was going to do. And, you know, we would just say, hey, you just got to keep on plugging. You know, get that support. You got to raise them dollars. And then, you know, went to the Senate. And from there, the rest is history. So, I mean, he was a man that was ambitious and... Very, very smart individual, and I just feel sorry that he get he he's caught up in this system that I mean you know it would take him nine terms <laughs> to really change the culture of what Washington right. is, and he's taking the 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 burden and the blunts and all the blows for a guy named Bush, yeah you know so you know how that go Did, who is the better
0: basketball player, Barack Obama, otis Wilson?
2: Well, I'll dunk on him any day. <laughs> oh, no. Nah, See, I grew up playing basketball. I mean, I could have probably played in the NBA. So that, that's not fair to say that. Because, I mean, back in my day, that's all I did was just play ball. I mean, so I would So why'd go, you choose football over basketball? Well, I would have been a, 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 how would you say, a six foot three point guard and and that played be... real physical. And I don't think that. You could have been can... Charles Barkley. No. Nah, Charles is a little taller than I am, but.
1: A little wider, too. Be... I... <laughs> yeah. What do you think about your good friend uh, down there in Charlotte running the Bobcats?
2: Well, you know, when I last talked to him, you know, it's not as easy as he thought it was. (laughs) I mean, because first thing he said, I got to watch my money, and I'm scratching my head trying to find me a player. I'm like, Mike, everybody ain't like you, you know. So, But, I mean, I think he really enjoyed it, and it's a great opportunity to, because, you know, to see somebody that couldn't even make a team to making a team winning six championships, and now owning his own franchise, I mean, that that's a dream come true. So, you know.
0: Yeah, but Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Bobcats, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Michael Jordan should be affiliated with the Chicago Bulls.
2: Well, the Chicago franchise is, you know, it's a lot of, you know, when you talk to guys with his baseball, basketball, football, you know, baseball, they keep some of the guys in the organization. You know, they keep them around. I haven't seen – the Bulls do uh, – I mean, they, you know, Stacy. I think he's doing something. Right. Pat – I mean, um, what's Paxton. Paxton. He's, he's in the office. Winnington is around. The Bears, nobody. I mean, everybody else does, is working somewhere else. you yeah. got to
1: be a McCaskey to stay working for him. And they got that clown running him. I can't stand George. I can't believe they made that guy president.
2: <laughs> well, he's family. <laughs> he's family. But
1: he's – Brian would have been better. Brian McCaskey.
2: Well, I don't think Brian even wanted that job. I mean, Brian was, is probably the coolest. Like, I, I'll step out there and say that Brian is one that we we probably talk to the most. He's the coolest. And, Mike was the dirtiest. Well, I don't know. Well, see, I only talk to you know, I, I you know, I'm speak to all of them, but Brian, I can say I, I hung out with him, and you know, so you can appreciate him. So, you know, I only wish that they would just embrace some of some of us. Bring us and bring us into the fold a little more. And
0: well, you, you, you look know. at the Blackhawks. They bring back ambassadors. You look yeah. at you look at the Cubs. You look at the Sox. You look at all these teams, and then you say, the Bears—they're just concerned of the players of the moment rather than this rich heritage of players from the '85 Bears from the you know Gale well, well, Sayers, look, Dick Butkus, look, people like that. Yeah, when you Sox
2: look at teams. it in you know economically and. And your sense-wise, as far as athletic-wise, there's two benefits because, I mean, number one, folks still love us. Right. We can draw revenue in that stadium and bringing people into the fold. And two, share wisdom with the, with the team. I mean, you know, so there's two great benefits there, but they have to
0: figure that one out. And it seems so simple to figure out, but it's like, okay, we haven't done it before. Why would we want to start it now? And at some point, they have to embrace their
2: history and their past and their players. History always repeats itself, so who knows? It, it
1: we had no end. quarterback in 84. McMahon went down, and we had no cu- quarterback. This year and Cutler went down. It's the same thing. But we got to wrap it up. We're getting the sign. Thank you again for coming on, Otis. It was a pleasure talking to you.
2: Well, it was fun talking with you guys, but I'll, I'll leave with this. Defense win championships. You don't need a quarterback when you got guys <laughs> knocking people out.
1: Unless Rusty Glitch is your quarterback, <laughs> Caleb <Bean. laughs> Again, thanks no. for listening to Sports and Sports. We want to thank <laughs> Shannon Lurch and Otis Wilson. i David Spada. Elliot Harris is with me, our co-host, and uh, I want to thank our sound guy, Dave Olson, and our producer, Jerry Lawrence. Stay tuned next week.
2: Thank you, guys.